Welcome to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show. And welcome to the Dollars and Cents podcast with your host, Nicole Romito, who is helping guide you toward your fulfilled life. Nicole, good to be with you again. I sense that we have something special once again in the offing. How are you doing this week? I am doing great. Uh, Thanks for asking. Um, I can't believe that uh, we are already getting into things uh, that we're talking about year-end planning. So you're absolutely right, Bill. Uh, We are doing something new here with today's episode, and uh, I'm welcoming back in studio with me, Beth McCormick and Jason Sposeep. Welcome back, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And for our listeners, um, this is going to be a the second part of our two-part episode on what to think about if you are thinking about going through a divorce or you're in the very early stages of it. So if you didn't listen already, please check out part one of this series. But the two are standalone. So if you haven't, no worries. You can still tune in today. And Beth and Jason and I are going to talk about, you know, we're getting towards the end of the year here. And at this point, you're going through a divorce. And we want to talk about two things. One, uh, if you have children um, in the home, as we're getting towards holidays, what are ways to effectively co-parent during this time of year? And then we're also going to touch upon, you know, some things to consider from the financial aspects. Again, we'll what maybe do you want to try to agree on or wrap up before the end of the year? Um, if you didn't uh, catch our first episode, I'll give a brief background on both of my guests today. Beth McCormick practices exclusively in family law matters for high net worth families, and she has experience in complex litigation, mediation, and collaborative law. She is an equity partner at Beerman. And also in studio with me is Jason Sposeep. Um, He also works with high net worth professionals and their families to help them get fair and equitable results. He is an equity partner at Schiller, DeCanto, and Fleck, and also, like Beth, can work with clients or couples who are going through any part of the divorce um, option. So whether it's litigation, mediation, or collaboration. Um, I just want to highlight that while both of them do practice in all areas, they will share that generally they get their best results when you they are working with couples going through the ADR or alternate dispute resolutions. So with that, I do want to just again say welcome back. And with that, why don't we go ahead and just jump right in? Um, I, you know, the three of us do a lot of these. So I'll just start us off with a question and whoever wants to jump in first have at it. So why don't we start with, you know, what are some of the things you can do to plan or perhaps conversations to have with your spouse um, to try to keep the holidays as um, smooth as possible for the kids, even though you're going through a divorce? I'll start. (laughs) So I uh, 
Jason and I often have couples start looking at the holidays, certainly by now, believe it or not, uh, it's important for people to honor the family traditions they've had in the past, be mindful of maybe who did what last year. And at some point, you kind of have to put your toe in the water and just try something. So we like to have people think about, in addition to honoring the traditions, thinking of what it must feel like for a child to go back and forth. You know, there are sub couples who insist on having Christmas morning. One person wants Christmas morning and one person wants Christmas Eve. So they have to split it up. Some couples say, you take all of Christmas one year, I'll take all of it next year. The judges tend to look at Christmas how, however the couple wants to, but you really don't want a judge imposing those kinds of things on it because, as we say, they'll they'll divorce you with a machete instead of a scalpel where you get to be thoughtful and mindful of not having as much bleeding as, as you might otherwise. So just being mindful of those kiddos and the sooner they know what to expect, the better. Um, Jason, I'm sure you have lots more to add on that. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, keeping the kids first and foremost in mind. It's not fun as a divorce, a child of divorce to be going back and forth uh, to multiple parents. It's a lot of pressure um, even more. So I think as the, as the children get older, while the courts and uh, us in our collaborative process do look at what the traditions were in the past, it is important to be open to new traditions, new ideas. Um, what worked before didn't might not necessarily uh, work going forward. So, um, kind of keeping that in mind, being creative. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, sometimes there are family members where Christmas morning is the end all be all. And how do we, how do we deal with that when, uh, we've got two homes and that can, that can be very challenging and very emotional and people bring to the table, not only their, their own traditions, but the, the pressures and traditions of their family members, uh, in wanting to, to keep that, those kinds of things alive. So it, it can be very difficult, but planning ahead, Having these conversations in October, November, uh, you know, October, September, October are super important. Our judges do not think that Christmas Eve or Christmas Day is an emergency issue. So coming to court at the last minute to try to come to resolution on that issue, uh, you'll 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 be tossed out. Um, so you've got to really think uh, think ahead. Yeah, and these kiddos are um, happy with anything. You know, we we're frequently training our couples on what the psychologists have taught us. And that is kids only want peace. They'll live with anything. So to try to really be mindful of who do you want this for? If it's for yourself or your mother, you know, we have all kinds of compelling cases that are heart wrenching, you know, grandma's, this is grandma's last Christmas, honor that. Well, unfortunately, in divorce, there's not always goodwill. And we just have to find the sweet spot on helping the couple just stay as low conflict as possible and realize that maybe it's not December 25th that you get to celebrate. And and what might that look like for the kids? Well, the longer the, they can draw it out and get presents, the happier they are, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. right. We've. We, I think we've all heard the stories where the kids are like, this is great. I have, you know, two Christmases or two Hanukkahs. Um, or four with or grandmas. Y- and- yes, exactly. So the, the, other, 
Oh, go ahead. Okay. The other thing I would just add is Jason and I have had really creative people who combine Christmas morning because it's just too hard to give it up for one or both of the parents. So they suck it up and actually open presents together, whether it's for 10 minutes or the morning or whatever, they at least get to honor that tradition for the kids. And again, it's without judgment. It's whatever works for that family. You know, it's it's a um, in a perfect world, the the parents communicate well with each other. In an imperfect world, they need the assistance of a, a divorce coach or a parenting coordinator, uh, or perhaps even uh, if they're in the middle of litigation, a guardian ad litem or a child representative. But um, there is not uh, the the best parenting agreements, as Beth and I always say, is we we put them together and ideally they go into a drawer and the parents never really have to go back and look at that document again and it really holds true especially for the holidays Be, you know i think one of the better things for parents to do is to print out a calendar for the you know you do it for summertime you do it for the holidays there is not yeah. a parenting agreement that that can flow with all of the changes that come about with all of the holiday parties and the festivities. And so sending that calendar over and starting to have that conversation and say, this is what I want. This is what I would like. This is what I'm willing to live with. This is what I'm willing to compromise on and having that conversation early uh, and spelling out what the last, you know, at least December, if not November, December look like um, is, is super key so that both parties can be working off the same hymn sheet. Right. And then school calendars are the other factor, right? Because every Christmas break looks different in different places. And those come out early enough. Again, parents should be looking at them by this time of year or soon. This time of year being early September or mid-September now. Yeah, exactly. Because the the holidays uh, are are coming upon us. Um, I mean, yeah. What are your guys' thoughts? Um, and I know this might be a little bit on the coaching side or the mental health side, but you've you've had enough experience. What are your thoughts on when is it or could it be appropriate to involve the children in the conversation if you're dealing with people who are, you know, later in high school or are coming home for college break? Any thoughts on on that? If that's something that should be considered or might backfire on the parents? Well, cer- certainly uh, children that are older, I always say vote with their feet. Um, <laughs> so if you've got a, a child who's driving, uh, for example, I think uh, you know. while it's, uh, it's ideally if you can keep the kids out of the conversation and have the adults make the, uh, the call and on a united front, tell the children this is how it's going to play out. I think that's probably your safest approach. Uh, But some kids are very mature. Some kids have a very strong opinion about where they want to be. And so in an appropriate setting, uh, without making them feel like they're in the middle, which is an art, um, getting some of their feedback of what they want would would potentially be a, a good approach to things. But I think you've got to really have parties that communicate well, uh, you most likely have to have a professional involved, a, a mental health professional to help facilitate that kind of dialogue again, so that the child does not feel like he or she is picking one side or the other, because we don't want to set that up for a child for sure. Right. And I, I feel like often these kiddos don't want to think about their parents. You know, if they're 
older. <laughs> They're only worried about themselves and their friends. They're not thinking about their parents and certainly not their parents' conflict. So they may just give quick answers just to, you know, get out of the problem that their parents are putting them in. They they just want and need to be told, just like all kinds of other boundaries that parents set. So we just try to normalize that for families and just remind them that keeping the kids out of it is front and center. But there's those teenagers who do have a clear voice and, you know, we have to honor those to the extent it makes sense to. But then there'll be one parent who says, well, they do know what they're talking about. And the other parent who says they don't. So again, Jason and I could tell story after story on how this plays out in real life. <laughs> I I think uh, besides for talking with the kids, um, I think you know, trying to make this decision ahead of time, having the conversation with them as to what Christmas is going to look like, what Thanksgiving is going to look like, giving them the heads up so that they aren't um, at the last minute figuring out that they're having to be moving, moving homes, giving them, give them a fair warning as to what the schedule and the plan is. Usually for the most part, they go with the flow, especially if both parents are on the same page saying, this is what the plan is. Yeah. And there's shared calendars. Again, there's all kinds of programs now where kids can be involved in the communication, even if it's a our family wizard, you know, text thread where everybody is is chiming in. I think the more open and more transparent um, families are, usually the better, but only if it's safe. You can't make it another form for abuse either. You have to be mindful of that in those kind of situations. So. One other thing that I uh, that is ideal in terms of communication is is the parents discussing um, the gift giving, not not to ruin the the magic of Santa Claus, but I think um, <laughs> Christmas is a a time where um, parents can become competitive, um, you know, wanting to updo the other parent in terms of the gift they're providing. So having discussion with your co-parent about the gift giving um, and can also go a long way to making sh- sure the child feels like it's a cohesive um, celebration time of celebration where there isn't major, major differences in each respective home. Um, just something to consider and think about. And, you know, I, I, kids can become spoiled when they're both, they get a, you know, a new iPad at both homes, they get a new a new iPhone at both homes. If that those kind of things can be choreographed a little bit, uh, I think that goes a long way for the for the child not feeling awkward or or, um, or or spoiling that child. That's a really great point. And again, in the collaborative or ADR processes, we facilitate those conversations because very often, if they're not thinking together, there's one parent who has more access to money and creativity and can be can look like the the great parent and they buy their kids. So again, depending on the process, we could tell you story after story of how great people are. We even have people who take uh, family photos and do a joint Christmas card in separate homes to show the the world that you can do it thoughtfully and amicably on one end of the spectrum. And the other end is where, you know, they're getting all the electronics and latest devices in one house and, uh, you know, a sweater in another. And, you know, that's the challenge that we see all day, every day. And 
It's it's easy to sit here and say, choose ADR as your process, but we're also mindful of the fact that that's just not for everyone. Right. And I, I do think, and I know we talked about this on the last episode, it's a little um, interesting or ironic that we're saying, hey, certain processes can actually help facilitate more effective and productive communication, even though that's often a, a common cause for the marriage breaking down or ending. Um, but I, I agree with everything you guys said and just want to echo that try and put your own feelings aside as the parent and really focus on how do we make this um, uh, as a good of experience for the kiddos as possible. Um, anything else you want to add along those lines? Um, even if you want to share, I know you've shared a couple stories, but about creative solutions or outcomes you've seen for people, I don't know, starting new traditions, or I know I've had some clients where even though the parents got divorced probably around this time of the year in the fall, they still did their annual family trip, um, uh, you know, together. Um, so I, I too have seen some where you're like, wow, these parents are really putting the kiddos first and are really, um, able to to say, how do we handle this best for our family? Yeah, the creativity can be, you know, the the families together for one or two nights in the destination, but they fly out with mom and fly back with dad and have a week with each, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then the actual holiday is spent in a resort somewhere neutral. Again, super, super creative outcomes that people come up with on their own. And otherwise we have coaches, Jason and I can even come up with some that, you know, sharing these kind of anecdotes helps people think about options rather than pigeonholed on these positional places of just every other Christmas from noon to six and then six to midnight. You know, those are those sad cases where people actually look at their document and look what happened next year. That shouldn't be what kids experience. Also, I, I would say that uh, thinking about it um, in a, in the Christmas, um, we keep picking on Christmas, but Christmas Day and Christmas Eve, there are now so many activities and experiences and things that can be done outside of the of that little window of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, I always joke my it's not it's not my religion or 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 God that tells me what day what what when when we're celebrating a holiday. It's my mother, um, and <laughs> I, I, so she she trumps. But I think parents can you know as opposed to focusing on that Christmas morning or the tradition of always meeting with the family on Christmas Eve. There can be baking cookies the weekend before. There can be going and doing ice skating and or going to see Santa. And those are ways to celebrate the holiday that don't have to be on that morning. And if people think outside the box, um, then and you're not so focused on a a couple of hours, it makes it a lot easier to to be more creative. Yeah, absolutely, Jason. And I I I often see even whether people share or don't share it. I often see that this is a way for parents to start new traditions. Um, 
you know, you mentioned your mom trumps all. And so if you kind of look at that and say, hey, now that our family structure has changed, it almost gives you a graceful way to say, here's how we're going to be doing things this year, or we're going to try something different. So I think it gives you a way to say, how do I really want to celebrate it? And then hopefully, too, you can get the kids excited about um, we're going to either start start new ones or we're going to add some new ones to the mix. So it could be a way to add um, change, but in a positive way to the holiday season. Absolutely. Okay. Um, anything else you guys want to um, share on the on this top part of the topic with you know effectively co-parenting as we get into the holiday season? I think we picked on Christmas a little bit. We can share a little bit about Thanksgiving too, and because a lot of families get or kids get Thanksgiving break. Sure. So we have. Um, Families, you know, because Thanksgiving is a day of feasting, you know, is there a way for Wednesday evening to be part of a new tradition, Wednesday and Thursday, a half day and the other half the day and Friday to the other parent? A lot of times because Thanksgiving is always on a Thursday, we remind families that that weekend is a big travel weekend and that they may want to plan ahead and build some of that in. And then just state what people probably already know. And that is because they are the coveted holidays. A lot of times it's whomever gets Thanksgiving one year, um, make it second pick on Christmas that year. Again, there's different ways to have people get creative with that. Um, but a lot of times we'll have people who are like, I couldn't care less about Thanksgiving. You can have Thanksgiving every year. I'll take Easter because that means the world to me. So that goes back to the whole, what's your ultimate goal here? And look at the whole year versus just the end of year traditions. That makes sense? Yeah, that's a great point. I know we've been, as we're getting into the year end season, we've been focusing on that. But you're right. I love kind of taking a step back and saying, let's look at all the big holidays that are either important to our family, to the kids, or as you pointed out, one person might say, well, you know, Christmas doesn't really matter. Or I'd like you said, I'd rather have Easter or I'd rather, um, you know, my birthday, I want to be with the kids, right? It doesn't even just have to be all the big holidays that everyone might be, but it could be the kid's birthday, you're the parent's birthday. Um, maybe there's just a special day in the family. So I love that idea of taking a step back and let's looking at it holistically because then there's more options for everyone to, you know, kind of discuss and then, and, you know, do some horse trading, if you will. Hey, pardon the interruption. I know you are listening to Dollars and Cents, creating your fulfilled life with Nicole Romito, and we're happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to myprivatevista.com or the show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, horse trading was the word that was actually coming to my mind as you were as you were talking, oh. Nicole. Um, <laughs> Great but, minds. Uh, uh, one of the caveats, um, or just a thing to be thoughtful about, as you, the co-parent, is trying to make these decisions. You know, I, for example, somebody says, "I don't really celebrate Thanksgiving." Uh, you go ahead and have Thanksgiving because Christmas is really important to my family, or what have you. Uh, 
the, people have a tendency to be thinking about the immediate, what's going to happen next month, maybe what's going to happen next year. But a lot of, a lot of times people do forget that their life is going to move on. And so trying to look at it from 30,000 feet and, you know, what, what if I, um, you know, I get into a new relationship with somebody that's, you know, that I'm very serious with that, um, the, the holidays are very important to them. And now I've, I've given away all of my Christmases, um, you know, so mm-hmm. think, trying to think about that in the mix of things too. Uh, not that ch- child related issues aren't modifiable, but it is more difficult to change things down the road if there's no agreement. Um, so trying to impose at least a little bit of looking into your crystal ball and thinking about what your future might look like can help also impact how you negotiate and decide who gets what holidays with the kids. Yeah. And you bring up a, another good um, point or another kind of possible angle or wrinkle to the situation is if one or both parents um, do have a new significant other or partner or spouse. So I know oftentimes that will be discussed about, you know, when will that person be introduced to the kids? How, you know, things like that. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, how to handle that if it's the first holiday where this a new significant other is going to be part of the celebration? Again, when the families are working together, it's a lot different, but of all course. too often we see that significant other being one of the reasons for the breakdown of the marriage, whether that's real or perceived. So it, that's just a little too um, ambitious probably, but you know, to Jason's point, we do have people, if we know there's a significant other, look at their schedule. Do you want to mirror it? Do you want to build all of your children's lives around a new significant other that may or may not make it through another holiday season? You know, (laughs) um, I hate to be so negative, but we all know what reality is. And um, some people choose absolutely. Well, again, who are we to say? But then it's inevitable, like we're not letting anybody know why we want this odd year versus even year. We're just asking (laughs) for it. So um, and same goes for the everyday scheduling. You know, the every other weekend parent concept is crucial. If you've got his kids on one weekend and her kids on the next weekend, you've got no grown up weekends. So we have people who think about that on day to day as well. And then we have the spouses who intentionally refuse to let that schedule work because we want to make life miserable. So, <laughs> no, yeah. we never see that. No, no. Significant others is such a uh, an emotional hotbed for issues in divorce, and it is very difficult for the person who's not in that new relationship uh, many times uh, to uh, to be in a situation where they're not in control of what's going on. And the courts are looking at whether or not a child is being endangered and having a girlfriend or a boyfriend over for Christmas dinner is not typically rising to the level of endangerment. Um, so letting go is, is, a, is a difficult aspect of the process that involves working with your own therapist, potentially working with divorce coaches in the process, 
Christmas or Thanksgiving is also not the time to introduce the children to a significant other necessarily uh, for the first time. Uh, a significant right. other uh, for yeah. on a holiday needs to be, you know, chapter four or five, not chapter one or chapter two necessarily. So all of that needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent and important point. So I, I think a lot of it is what we keep circling back to is plan ahead to the extent that you can and really try to be thoughtful about um, uh, the situation, who you're bringing into it. And of course, our goal is also, you know, so that the kids um, so you have the least amount of negative impact on the kids. Because it's something certainly that's going to be uh, impactful for them for the rest of their lives, and as they're getting to be adults and and forming their own romantic relationships. So, you really do want to be kind of thoughtful about what what you're bringing in. All right. Well, why don't we? Um, is there anything else you guys wanted to talk about with the co-parenting during holidays? Before I know we were going to just talk a little bit about as we get towards year end and things to consider from the financial side of divorce. I think we touched on the topics on uh, on the holidays. I would agree, but just didn't know if anything else had popped in either of your minds. Nope, we're good. Awesome. Well, great. Well, as we get towards the year end, I mean... One of the things um, that does have, I guess, if you will, a hard stop, and that is the calendar year um, and the impact it can have on financial decisions or issues in divorce. Um, I mean, I can start off with some of the common things that I know we've talked about when we're helping people kind of get, if they're getting near finalizing their divorce towards the end of the year, Um And I'll just kind of open up with some of those and definitely welcome you guys to chime in on those and we'll see where the conversation takes us. Um, You know, one of the things we've seen is uh, where we've had couples who are, they've, they've finalized their settlement agreement, the financial issues, the co-parenting agreement, things like that. But for tax reasons, it's actually better for them to stay legally married um, for this tax year. And for our listeners, um, you may or may not know this, but the IRS looks at your marital status on December 31st, and that's what determines um, how you'll file for income taxes for that current calendar year. Um, So we've had couples who have gotten divorced on New Year's Eve. And so if they did that in 2023, then they would not file married filing jointly for 2023, even though they were married for almost the entire year. We've also had clients who get everything ready and signed, but then the proof update Um, where you go into court to have the judge approve your agreement, they do that in early January. And then this way that allows them to still file married filing jointly on their tax returns. Um, The reason they do that, and I think our listeners probably can come to this conclusion, is that it will help them from an income tax perspective, where as a you know, together, they're actually paying less income taxes than if they were filing um, with a status other than married filing jointly. So that's kind of one, I want to say, like, 
foundational or basic issue, um, I'm sorry, not issue, consideration that we've worked with couples to help them, um, you know, save money on income taxes for that last year of marriage. Uh, Beth or Jason, and where would you like to go next with uh, this part of the conversation? Uh, well, I, I oh, go ahead, Beth. Well, I think it, there's one basic tenant, and that is even when people don't like each other at all, they want to save money rather than give it to the IRS. But having said that, we have people who just are in such pain that they they refuse to cooperate on any level. So uh, given that maintenance is no longer a taxable event, um, there's there's very little creativity we can do for um, divorce tax planning um, other than this one tool. So usually we can help couples see the value in holding on to the agreement and waiting until early January. And the courts are familiar with it and try to accommodate it and, and, and hear a lot of these final divorce cases early in the year. Um, here in Cook County and some of our counties, you no longer even have to go to court to finalize your divorce. It's being done via affidavit, meaning documents that the lawyers provide and the judge reviews to make sure that it's fair and equitable. And then you're divorced. So I'm, and that's new since um, last January. So Jason, I'm guessing we'll see even more of that. Uh, yeah, that's possible. Um while you were talking, uh, it it occurred to me. I think it's important to note that, um, and I don't. Uh, important to note the being married for the remainder of the year may be important if you're in your ninth year of marriage. Oh um, right, yep, right. So your ex spouse can receive benefits, uh, Social Security benefits, um, even if you're um, divorced, uh, as long as they were married for a period of ten years. So um, there are situations and cases where it absolutely makes sense to, to hold uh, entry of judgment until that 10-year period has lapsed, and December 31st would be uh, an important an important date. Uh, also, some exposure for lawyers if uh, no, no, no one raised that issue and they got themselves divorced just short of the 10-year period. Right. Um, I think that's a great point, Jason. I had not thought of it as it relates to this, but it's super important to remind listeners of that. But then also, I feel like every now and again, we are asked about Social Security and what we're supposed to do with it. And because it is a benefit, a federal benefit, we can't and won't deal with it in the divorce proceeding, which is confusing to people, right? So your point is just be mindful of the deadline, but that it's not something that will be set forth in any divorce agreement. Correct. Right. And that that is a great point that it can't be um, uh, waived or negotiated or things like that because it right. is under the federal law. Because um, I have had clients say, well, they, you know, my spouse is, is telling me I can't do this or they're going to make me waive it. And that's just not how it works. The other thing I want to add on to that for our listeners is um, as part of the the laws that are governing the social security system is um, even if you do collect a spousal benefit um, on your now ex-spouse's benefit, 
a couple of things. First of all, you can work directly with Social Security to do that. Um, you don't need to do like a joint call with your now ex-spouse or have them involved at all. And it does not reduce their benefit. Right. So oftentimes, if I'm working with one spouse who um, has a lower Social Security benefit, they worry, well, I, I don't want to file for that spousal benefit because I'm worried it's going to, you know, um, it's going to upset him or her. And, you know, we're already talking about this other situation or everything's going great and I don't want to rock the boat. Well, it's not. So it does not impact your spouse, your ex-spouse's benefit at all. So I just like to point that out as well. Um, and we, you know, I work a lot with clients and in, in doing joint calls with Social Security. Um, this is one of those situations where you do need to call Social Security. So you can't do it through their online portal. But there's a there are a lot of good people that work there. And um, you only need a few pieces of information and your um, court approved marital settlement agreement. Um, and then they'll be able to give us all the information and then we can figure out the best strategy. So you're maximizing your social security benefits. Nicole, that's amazing. I didn't realize you did that. Um, that's a yeah. really nice thing to do because it's, I think I'm trying to imagine listeners feeling overwhelmed with stress at the thought of a call to the right. social security. Yeah. It's Doing any governmental agency. Right? Yes. Yeah. Doing with that with them is brilliant. Because it, it's, it just helps them feel safer, right? It, it does. And also, you know, we can, I know the, I'm familiar with like the terms and there's yes. all kinds of different benefits um, that even outside of, if you're not divorced, people don't understand a lot of the benefits that possibly could be available under our yep. social security system. Yep. And and then the other thing too, Beth, is a lot of people think I want to take my money as soon as possible, whether they think, oh, I've heard the system, you know, Social Security is going to run out of money in the next few years. So I want to get my money now. Um, one thing I will highlight is if my client is um, the, the wife or the ex-wife is generally speaking, as women, we're still outliving our male counterparts. Sorry, Jason. Um, so Life. I know it is right. Um, but it's, it's really important to understand if, you know, you have longevity, um, social security is, you know, it is a guaranteed income stream. There is based on inflation, you can get a raise every year. And there's ways where you can really, by looking at your entire financial picture, how do you make the decision that is right for you? So it's not as straightforward as I um, I want to take it at 62 because that's the earliest um, uh, anyone can take it when we're not talking about a, uh, a death involved or um, underage, not underage, minor children. Um, but that's also something to look at, too, where it may make sense to turn it on early because there are benefits if you have children that are under the age of 18 and 16. So... As many things that our government offers, it's not straightforward. So working with someone who understands the ins and outs, and then we'll get on the phone with you so you can ask all the questions and get the answers so you can make a decision that's best for you and your family. It's 
So now I'm ready to hop on a call with you, Nicole. You've got my, <laughs> you've got my wheels turning. So perfect. That, that was a nice teaser because it's uh, social security is a whole different animal, and it is. Again, as divorce lawyers, there's this expectation that we know it. And the good news is there's one area where we get to say we just don't know. So um, we don't negotiate it. We can't and won't negotiate it. A court would not even approve it. Yeah, I think those are those are great takeaways for our listeners is to just to to know that and then just know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of possibilities and opportunities within it. So it might be something you may not be realizing and it's not going to come up in the discussion of your um, settlement um, conversations. Right. Yeah. So I think, too, as we're looking at year end and this really goes towards people or couples who are working towards ending their marriage, but wanting to maybe maximize the wealth for the next generation. Um, I know we were talking about this is, you know, a lot of times people may do what's called annual gifting um, for our listeners. Each of us can give this year in 2023, we can each give $17,000 to anyone and it's on the honor system. You don't have to file a, a gift tax return. You don't really need to do any work with uh, any sort of attorney or your accountant. Um, but that goes that goes away on December 31st as well. So if you don't use your annual exclusions in any given year, you've lost that opportunity. Um, and there's ways, depending on the level of wealth, um, there's ways you can really juice that or front end load it. So these might be things that are part of the divorce settlement discussion. Oftentimes, if you're talking about them, you may have your estate planning attorney advising and then also your financial advisor, because this is something that you need to understand the whole picture to say, does this make sense? Do we still have these same goals? Um, and is there anything we want to do while we have maybe some larger exemptions or options while we're still legally married? Which again, with Jason and I, when we can get these thoughtful people to the table, very often we bring in the estate planning lawyer early because those joint goals, again, to benefit their children rather than the IRS, we we can do a lot, a lot of creative stuff there. Um, but, you know, it's the willingness to work together with the estate planning lawyer and realize that this is not hurting either of them. It's benefiting both of them. Exactly. And I would say, especially in this situation, really benefiting for your children. Right. And then if you have grandchildren or future grandchildren. That's right. Yeah. So again, I, I agree, Beth, and I know Jason does as well. Oftentimes people can come together when they're paying, when they're cutting the IRS, um, either out of the picture completely or reducing their participation. Yeah. This was a lot more fun when uh, the IRS gave a deduction for maintenance. Yeah. Right? Which, which they no longer do. <laughs> yep. Very That's true. Right. Life very changed true. a lot for us that year. Yeah, it really did. It really did. Well, Jason and Beth, uh, I I could sit here and talk with you guys all day, really all week. I uh, you guys are two of my favorite people to to kind of chat through these things with. 
Um, however, I'm sad to say our time together has is coming to a close. Uh, hopefully, we'll have you back on another future episode. Um, but I just want to say thank you again to both of you um, for sharing your time, because I know that is all of our most important asset, and it's not... Uh, it's one that has limits and certainly for sharing some of your tidbits of knowledge and a few stories with our listeners. So thank you for being in studio with me today. That was an honor. Pleasure. And uh, again, in case our listeners did not catch our prior episode, why don't we, Jason, do you want to share if any of our listeners want to reach out to you? What is the best way to do so? Uh, my email is probably the best way, jsposeep, J-S-P-O-S-E-E-P at sdflaw.com or 312-609-5551. And Beth? I'm uh, B McCormack, M-C-C-O-R-M-A-C-K at Beermanlaw, B-E-E-R-M-A-N-N-L-A-W.com. And my number is 312-953-5114. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, Nicole, thank you for facilitating this conversation. We could probably do, you could probably do an entire episode on how you get couples to buy into this notion of collaborative divorce, because I, I am admittedly fascinated with it and it makes a whole lot of emotional and financial sense so thank you nicole for facilitating the conversation and speaking of reaching out to people if uh someone listening to this wants to reach out to you how do they get all of you ah thanks bill uh they can go to our website at myprivatevista.com. And on our homepage near the top, you'll see a contact us button. You can please put in your information. And then in the comment section, please mention you are following up on this podcast episode. And if you want to share a little bit about your question or situation, or just say, hey, I would just like to, you know, talk to Nicole about um, my finances in relation to divorce and always happy to have the conversation with anyone so we can uh, either help them out or get them pointed in the right direction. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Nicole. And thank you for listening to this podcast. If you're a new listener and you like what you've heard, and I'm sure you probably did, save yourself some time and trouble. Hit the subscribe button. That way you don't have to remember where you heard it or when the next episode comes out, it will be delivered to you. You'll get a notification and you'll be able to listen. We also humbly ask that if you like this, rate the podcast and share with others and help other people find this podcast. On behalf of Nicole Romito and everyone at Private Vista, I'm Bill Tucker. Thanks again for listening. And remember, don't wait. Live your best day today. Thank you for listening to The Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312-831-4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 
This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC, assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.